0: It's June, and we aren't playing baseball. Let's commiserate about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network. Welcome back to the Doghouse, and I'm your host, David Murray, as we, well, as we feel bad about the fact that uh, the Bulldogs are not playing baseball. We now know who is in this year's NCAA baseball tournament, where they're playing in the first round matchups, and even knowing equally well that the Diamond Dogs were not going to be one of the 64 squads. Yeah, I watch the field and the sites and the seats being announced because it's baseball. It's what we do. Of course, what we are supposed to do, expect to do, is tune in for Mississippi State's own seating and siding. Again, we knew it wasn't happening this year, but advanced knowledge doesn't make it any more palatable to know. It's June, and we aren't playing baseball. Not on duty-noble field. Not on an ACC field, as tends to happen when State doesn't host. Not anywhere, not nowhere. June, our beloved baseball month, just loses a little luster without a Diamond Dog presence. All the more so when, uh, you know, the reigning, yes, for a few more weeks, the title holds true. Reigning national champions aren't able to defend their title at all. I guess the perverse positive, if one holds to Oscar Wilde's truism of it being better to be talked about than not, is that there will be many, many, maybe too many references to who is missing in this 2022 tournament. And this is going to get even more mentioned because y'all have probably seen the promotion for Banner Year, a retrospective under the ESPN banner of Mississippi State's run to the first ever national crown. I'm not going to toot any horn here. But I can attest that the crew, which interviewed a long list of folk about the season, about the program, its history, and what it meant in the big picture and the immediate sense of last year, they showed something way too rare in media of any sort, especially TV. They generally know about and like college baseball. So I'm waiting for it to come out on June 14th. You can tune in with me and relish some revived memories of what was and what can be again. But waiting through this postseason will still be a bit painful. It's the first time since 2015 to have missed postseason entirely. Uh, Not exactly coincidentally, that was also the last time State finished last in the SEC. Uh, By the way, this team surpassed that one with nine wins. The other one won eight. And these dogs also won three SEC series against just one taken in 15. That was a bad year indeed. This team was not at that low level, as we've talked about many, many times. They had more talent than showed in the record. It just didn't mesh for all sorts of reasons we have just thrashed and hashed through in the past couple of months. Well, that team is now done, and most of it, and I mean it, most of it is on its way out. The portal is a very busy place this year and with good reasons. At last count, uh, eight dogs had announced for sure their transfer intentions, That's not counting who's graduating, by the way, R.J. Yeager and Jess Davis. Two more transfers are expected sometime this week, probably today, in fact, with the stories coming up on Gene's page. Uh, I'll respect my coworkers who are writing up those stories right now and let them break it. As for the Major League Baseball draft, well, remember that while football and basketball players must announce their draft status, in baseball it's rare anyone says anything until they've been selected or not selected and are looking for a free agent deal or recognizing the need to turn to college, uh, which in such cases would surely mean coming back to Mississippi State. Why so? Well, the ongoing rush to the exits is partly because, duh, the season ended early, and there's more time for them to make their exit and start looking for a program before even more players start making their way after their teams lose out of the NCAA tournament. But the calendar is a larger and larger factor now. Uh, Spring sport athletes, remember, most obviously baseball players in our case, have a July 1 deadline before the portal closes on them, or at least closes upon being eligible for next season. A dog or um, any other player from uh, college baseball can still opt out after the draft, which is July 17-19 this year, remember, but he won't be playing baseball until 2024. You know, which might not be a bad call for a few of them if they're set on a particular program and their position is already locked down for 2023. I wouldn't be surprised if a few uh, 2022 freshmen take their chances and effectively redshirt in next season by transferring to a program where uh, they can't play immediately. And again, this has to do with them not going drafted. Uh, yes, there are some guys that young who can get taken because players are getting older and older. I, I ran that list on Dogsbite a couple of weeks ago, and it was kind of ridiculous just how many players on this 2022 roster were ages 21, 22, even 23, and about to turn 24. This was kind of an old team in a lot of ways, but I think that's a trend in baseball, particularly this year, because as you're tired of hearing, and as I'm tired of writing and talking about, but it's still very much a factor... That extra NCAA COVID season is still clogging up a lot of rosters. Well, Mississippi State's roster is about to get unclogged. On the whole, the dogs who do leave for the draft want to play immediately, and I get it. They won't wait. Their career clock is running and running a lot faster these days. And moreover, those who aren't looking abroad are absolutely looking over their shoulders for who Chris Limonis is recruiting via that same portal door, because as you know, it swings both ways. You know, we discussed last time how the original plans to procure four, maybe five transfers, well, at the very least, it has doubled and maybe more. That's the degree of rapid restock that Lamonis and staff have in mind now, uh, based not just on the overall season, but particularly so how things played out in the very last month. You know, a lot of guys were given so many chances during the season, and in the crunch of a SEC losing streak— Oh, was that ever a losing streak? It just was made clear that no matter how many chances, these guys are probably not going to develop into SEC winning players, certainly not lead dogs on a team that returns to the tournament next year, which obviously is the goal, the initial goal. You know, It's a reminder to this year, don't ever take it for granted because if it can happen here, it can happen just about anywhere Well, it's happened here. Anyway... The restock they have in mind is uh, based on a lot of what happened in the last weeks, last months of the season. Now, there have been cases before of Mississippi State coaches in all sports standing by their recruited men or men, even if several showed that they just weren't up to winning in the SEC and much less in the NCAAs or bowl games or whatever. You know, call it loyalty to the players you signed. That's good. Call it pride that you signed a guy and, by golly, I'm not going to admit he can't play. That's not so good. But be sure to now to call it outdated. And for the record, I don't entirely like it this way, but I accept the reality in college sports today. I mean, look at how Mike Leach or Chris Johns, and basketball, by the way, is the distilled essence of portal programming, or courting transfers. And their teams mostly need just to fill in a few slots, by the way. Add a receiver here, add a point guard there. You get the idea. The rosters generally are established on those two teams. Remember how close the basketball bulldogs were to the NCAA tournament this year? And of course, Mike Leach's team, as we know, you give them a good place kicker in the second half of the season and they're bowling in Florida. And now you're plugging in some players to take them up to the next level. Well, those teams are reasonably established. Limonis, by contrast, is in an unplanned but necessary. I said restock earlier. Let's change that. I should have said rebuild. And if they're not rebuilding from the foundation, then certainly they're starting with the first floor. He can't wait to see the draft damage either. Again, the July 1 deadline really puts the pressure on to start bringing in guys even when you aren't absolutely sure what numbers you're going to have available on the roster. Baseball is in such a totally weird predicament as far as that goes. Should it be changed? Absolutely. Will Major League Baseball change it? I don't know. It would be to their benefit to move the draft back up to June because then teams, you know, obviously in past years, if you, uh, let's see, let's take 2013, for example. The draft was in the super regional round when obviously only 16 teams are left playing. That means you've got pretty much the rest of college baseball who you can draft and go ahead and start signing them before the College World Series and those eight teams. It would only make sense if MLB went back to a June draft. Do coaches and players like the headaches of dealing with the draft during tournament time? Not really, but it sure beats the heck out of meeting a deadline for starting a new roster. And sometimes even your academic roster has to be set as well at some schools and then have a draft a couple weeks later and have guys leave or guys that you thought were going to leave through the draft, not leave. What a headache. We'll sign We'll find out if the NCAA cares. Why am I even talking about the NCAA? They're such a non-entity in so many aspects regarding football, and I'm afraid they're headed that way in basketball and baseball as well. Okay, that's a subject for another day. Anyway, with this 22 team not playing, Limonis and his staff are freed to recruit with summer obsession, and I mean recruit for 2023. You know, in a recent wrap-up sort of story, uh, after the final home game weekend, I quoted Lamona's comment that a program can't live by the portal, and he meant it. He meant that recruiting high school players, keeping them through the draft, developing them into the SEC regulars is still the core approach to building a program. I understand what he said then and generally agree that is the ideal. Yet even Lamonis has qualified that statement by admitting that signed and developed kids may not stick around to become regulars' starters i.e. they transfer to play and leave state in a lost roster lurch. You think about it. You sign a reasonably well-ranking prospect. You keep him through the draft. Maybe he's drafted in the teens and decides a couple years in college will do him good. He comes here, and he's in a position where somebody else wins the job. Well, and maybe he has that job probably set for next year. That guy is going to up and go because he wants to play right now and get into the draft again as quickly as possible. You see the inherent... A challenge of coaches. If you want to develop that way, you may lose your players. Or, in the case of uh, this team, you may, okay, let's be brutally blunt, you may want to lose some players. So, uh, Lamonis obviously has recognized the reality that it's going to be a portal team next year in so many ways. Uh, can that work? Sure. Uh, LSU is a good example this year. Texas A&M is a good example, maybe a better example this year. And there are some others. Yes, they kept a foundation of existing players there. And they also had first-year coaches who came in and brought players with them. That's a luxury Mississippi State did not have. Still, you get the idea. College baseball is probably going to come closer to the basketball model than the football model. Football, you pick up transfers to fill in the gaps and flesh out a roster. Basketball, you almost replace entire teams, certainly your lineups, through the portal. Baseball will kind of be a mix of the two, but right now, and maybe particularly so this year, a more wholesale portal recruiting approach because so many guys are in the portal. Now, as some of these guys struggle to find places to play, hopefully, hopefully, they'll learn their lesson and be a little more selective about entering in all sports. What am I talking about? Kids never going to show that kind of patience, especially not in the day of NIL. And before you say it, Not many places can be Kentucky and provide enough NIL to keep a guy from either transferring or turning pro. Get my point? Well, even as here in the first day of a diamond dogless June, recruiting races to beat the July 1 deadline. So check here for updates on those going and those coming. As much as it hurts that tournament time has bypassed the best ballpark in the college game, hey... I'm wearing a 21 National Championship pretty regularly these days. In fact, have been for many months now. I even have some free time now to uh, take my press pass, parking pass, scorecard, and box score from the final game of the 21 season and get the whole mess framed for my office wall. Overdue? Yeah, probably so. Overrated? Never, ever. Meanwhile, down in Destin. Nope. I'm not in Destin, and uh, I'm, in fact, I've never been to the SEC spring meetings because generally I was occupied with baseball, and more typically, it just doesn't sound like my kind of scene, though I may have to uh, make it in a year or two if things continue to be as chaotic as they are. Then again, I think 2022 spring meetings are going to be really unique in a lot of ways because right now the SEC's big brass are chatting casually in front of a camera and a heck of a lot more intently behind closed doors Hilton Hotel doors, by the way. The confab began yesterday, and not a whole lot of news came out as of this recording. Now, the pace ought to pick up today, though how hard the news is going to be is anyone's guess. Uh, Say this for Commissioner Greg Sankey. He can seem casual enough in an ambush-type interview, uh, but trust it. The man watches his every word, and when he does talk, pay attention. He doesn't just throw out idle comments. Uh, For one example... Uh, media have made so much of his uh, really harsh tone about uh, the playoff expansion proposal getting um, delayed or voted out by other conferences. Well, when he comes out that strong, you know it's not just personal but professional and something is going to get shaken up down that line. Well, a whole hall full of coaches and athletic directors and even the true ultimate power holders in this SEC – No, I don't mean Disney, though they're just swinging the biggest financial stick. I mean the 14 presidents who make all the final decisions. Yeah, 14. Because while Texas and Oklahoma are present and accounted for, they have no vote. Nor will they until their membership officially begins. At the latest, it's going to be summer of 2025. By hunch, I'm thinking maybe a year earlier now. I know that... I've said all along it would be 2025 because that just looked like the most practical. Uh, Some development since then, eh, maybe I could be reading the tea leaves, the smoke signals, whatever you want to call it, wrong. But I just have a hunch because the new SEC network contract, and what a contract, it begins in 2024, and you just know that the big bad mouse who owns ESPN wants those two new high-audience names playing SEC games ASAP. Other dates to remember. The SEC's current 6-1-1 schedule rotation runs through 2026. Or rather, it's supposed to, and I reckon that's up for fresh debating too now. Then there's the current college football playoff, which has four more seasons in the four-team format. For now. Sankey and Cruz's 12-team proposal last summer has only been delayed. It probably can't be stopped Albeit the final form is still very much to be announced or to be argued or to be negotiated or some maybe just somewhat uh, to be ordered by the SEC and Big Ten, who tell the rest of them get in line or get left behind. I'm not one of those who thinks the SEC will end up ultimately going on its own. Uh, the repercussions, as far as other sports than football, might be a little harsh. Then again, I've said it before, what power does NCAA really have? Well, they run a good tournament for basketball and baseball, but other than that, they've only got uh, one real power, eligibility. I take that back. They have another power for now. They set the competition calendar, i.e., how many games you can play in a season. So for now, let's stay with a 12-game regular season. Four falls from now really isn't that long a lead time to revise or outright replace contracts with the networks and the bowls and the cities that will be hosting New Year's Six games and all of that. But moving much closer to home, ah, you knew I'd get here here to Mississippi State eventually. The administration here really, really wants to know what's going to happen with SEC football scheduling, as do we all. Uh, To my own mind, the most important decision this week, and when I say decision, it may be made this week, but not put into uh, hard form. There are indications that it will The decision will be made, at least in general and in quiet, and they'll announce it sometime later this fall when some details get worked out. But the most important decision is, does the SEC stick with the current eight-game eight league schedule, albeit in a new rotation? Or does it add a ninth game while keeping the Power 5 mandate matchup that, for all intents and purposes, means ten tough games and room for just two scheduled wins? Y'all know which side I come down on. I, and for that matter, the Mississippi State administrators I've spoken with over the years want to stay at eight SEC games, one Power Five game, and three chances to get halfway to bowl eligibility. Blunt, but true. Don't go responding to that with any nonsense that bowls don't matter anymore. They do matter to Mississippi State for a host of financial reasons. I'll just give you one, and maybe not even the biggest. I've written before how on the day that uh, Davis State Wade Stadium reopened in 2014, uh, we got a tour of the place. Scott Strickland and I were talking privately outside uh, the Northeast Gate, and he told me that some of the bowl revenues were already budgeted towards paying off the expansion project. That's just one and not the only measure how much Mississippi State counts on keeping the bowling streak alive. So you may not think bowls matter Okay, and maybe in some sort of emotional sense they don't anymore. They absolutely matter in a fiscal sense to Mississippi State. As for how to schedule eight games, well, uh, the one permanent opponent, no prizes for guessing who, and seven rotating foes does solve the challenge of cycling through the whole league during a typical player's career. I talked in February with John Cohen during a baseball game about this very issue involving football. And he said, that, of course, in his own playing days in baseball, one of the uh, fun parts of it was he got to see every SEC team at the time, just 10, but still he got to see them all and a lot of them at both home and away. And he is a big believer that because this is a 14-team conference, soon to be 16, there ought to be a way in a typical player's career of at least three, probably four, and maybe even five seasons to be able to play everybody in the SEC at least once and see almost all the legendary stadiums in this league. Of course, that means seeing some of the non-legendary stadiums in this league. I'm looking at you, Vanderbilt, but you get the point. And, I will say that that does solve it. The seven rotating foes makes it easier to cycle through the whole league during a typical career and meet TV's demands to get more good games, i.e. you-know-who across the state line playing fill-in-the-blank more often than they usually do. Now, yes, the 3-6 proposal, which would be a nine-game season, does so much sooner, three permanents and six rotating every year. Now, if you happen to be among the fans who will happily trade favorable bowling odds for more, quotation marks, good games every year, I get it. I really do. I'm not going to call you a bad fan at all, especially not when watching Mississippi State thrash, uh, let's say, Tennessee State, cost you as much to sit there as it does for some SEC home games. Yeah, that's a topic for another day, but I get it. If you're going to spend that kind of cash to watch a game, you want to see a good game. But don't you also want to see a team that has a chance to build some wins, build some momentum, and keep bowling? Well, that's a debate that's going to go on until we know what the schedule's going to be. Could they announce it uh, as early as today? Sure, I don't think they will, but um, I, there will be certainly some hints coming out because there are a couple administrators in this league Uh, No prizes for suggesting that one of them occupies a seat out in uh, southeastern Texas, shall we say. Uh, Like to talk to media and like to say things they probably hadn't been cleared to say. Good for my business, not so good for the SEC peace of mind, but you get the idea. Maybe something leaks out, or maybe Sankey is wielding a big enough hammer these days to say, shut your mouth and only say what we've agreed to and nothing else. Good luck with that. Anyway. I and you will be following news out of distance from this safe, if boring, distance, which is all the more boring without Bulldog baseball, too. You know, then again, when I was filling up the tank the other day, it absolutely crossed my mind. What would the bill be driving to and back from Omaha this fiscally stressed summer? Maybe I'm the bad fan, reckon? Well, that's our dog's talk uh, for this, uh, what, June 1, that's right, first day of a new month. Uh, The reigning national champions aren't playing, but we can still remember what was. Like I said, keep in mind, June 14th is coming up with banner year, a retrospective on the 2021 Diamond Dog season and national championship. And all sorts of portal news will be popping in coming days, uh, both comings and goings. And uh, not too long from now, Mike Leach will be having his own summer camps. So we'll be reporting from that. At least our guys who are cleared to cover recruiting. I'm not, by the way. I because and let's let's get this out there on the record for anybody who wonders why I don't cover recruiting. It's because I am considered a booster. I twice worked for Mississippi State uh, in the early '80s, then again the early '90s, and I am a member of the Bulldog Club, albeit down an awfully low level. But then you know. Every little bit helps to pay Bart Gregory's meal tab. So I am considered a booster and I can't talk to recruits. Not that I would want to because quite honestly, I've been doing enough interviews for enough years, enough people. I could probably get a 17-year-old kid to say just about anything I wanted him to just by the questions I ask. That's not bragging. That's just a fact. And recruiting plans would eat it up like gravy, but I don't know if it's called pride or laziness or both. Well, whatever, whatever. Uh, Paul and Steve will be taking care of the camp coverage of who's uh, coming to camp. Uh, Also, in fact, who doesn't come to camp because that's becoming uh, as big a topic these days as well because that sometimes gives you a clue about recruiting and sometimes not. In our next uh, doghouse, we will talk about the results from Destin, what is known, what isn't known, and what's speculated. And we'll start looking a little deeper at some other things, Um, obviously, as the baseball season uh, for all the other teams still active plays along we'll be following some friends Uh, if I would like to see Butch Thompson and Lane Burroughs for two examples make the NCAA finals and get uh, get to regionals get through there get to Omaha well you can't blame me because that's a couple of former state assistants and just good guys in general so there's still a lot to watch but it's not our team and it still hurts and I miss Omaha, no matter how much it would have cost again this year, you're darn right I would have made that trip again because you never know how many chances you'll get to follow a Diamond Dog team to the College World Series. And if anything else, that's what the 2022 season reminded us. So stay tuned for future episodes of the Doghouse. This is your host, David Murray, here on the Believe Network.